Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the English Futsal Podcast. My name is Richard Ward. I am joined by the highly decorated, most northern man, most pork pie-eating futsal player in the country, Mr. Stuart Cook. Cookie, how are we doing? Good afternoon, Richard. A little bit worse than last week, that intro. I think we uh, we need to have a chat off mic um, to discuss how you're going to Working introduce me in future. Um, but yeah, no, uh, good to be here again. We've made it to episode three. Episode three. And today, the topic is going to be focusing on the women's game. Now, the structure of today's pod, uh, we're doing an introduction before we actually get the opportunity to to speak to some of the the women involved in the women's side of the futsal game. We're really looking forward to, to meeting with them, talking about a few topics and getting their perspective, because obviously Stuart and I haven't really been involved in that side of the game. Um, so some of the things we're looking to get a grip of are around how the league has evolved um, to, to becoming national, where it was in the past, sort of when people got involved, why they got involved, you know, where did they fall in love with the game? And then talk about a bit more around how that sport can can grow on the women's side of things. So is there enough happening to promote it? What are the hurdles and challenges facing not only the league, but the players themselves? Um, so those are some of the things we're hoping to get out of the next few uh, kind of chats that we have. Um, I'm going to go and set it up and just sort of say that I, I don't really know much about the women's side of the game. Um, I'm, I'm a huge futsal fan, so when there's highlights and stuff on social media, I'll watch them. I enjoy some of the goals are absolutely brilliant, and I really, I really enjoy watching it. Similar, similar to the men's game, I don't think there's like the best highlights. We've just seen somewhere the goals weren't recorded properly on VO. Um, I do really like it when it has the commentary, um, but we can't have every single game recorded. And I, I, I don't know. I think it's it's hard to. I think it's facing exactly the same challenges as the men's game in that regard in terms of trying to make it more public. Um, so I'm just really interested to see, you know, how's it going? How could it be improved? How could we get more futsal out there for get more women playing and, and the overall thing, really? Yeah, I think I'm probably a little bit more uh, involved in yourself and a little bit closer to it um, now with my position at Bolton. And obviously, last couple of seasons, I've helped out uh, both Mick and, and Vito and this year, Laura, in terms of trying for you know trying to promote the women's side of the game for us as a club. I think one of the things that's really noticeable for me is that we've we've tried to push the women's side of the game and, and the wildcats, you know, or the, 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 the girl side of, of our Academy as well, but it, it is difficult. It's difficult to garner interest. Um, and I'm not really sure why or how to put my finger on it. Like you just mentioned there, maybe, maybe we need to do more to promote it, you know, from our point of view at Bolton. And, and I know I reflect back on Bolton quite a lot, but the re- sort of for me that's where most of my experiences for for all of the sports and my different perspectives come from over the last four or five years so it's it's easy for for me to give examples and to talk about what we do as a club so for example at, at the end of last season Vito stepped away from from coaching our women's team so we needed a new head coach sat down with with Laura and Natalie and to discuss it and we kind of decided we'd put an application out there or put you know a bit of an expressions of interest out there and see where what that would bring for us. What we actually got was we got two applicants, uh, both male. Um, I basically sort of had a few exchanges with them. We sat, I sat down with one of them, um, went through sort of his background, his history. He'd done a lot in in women's football. Um, he was coaching, um, I think, a university team at the time as well. So we made the decision to bring him on board. Um, it didn't work out for personal reasons. He had to step away before the season actually started. So we then sat down again and, and came up with the solution that, you know, Laura was, Laura has been committed to the club for the last couple of seasons. Laura Tobin, that is, who's obviously an, sort of now our, our head coach. She's been committed as a player for the last couple of seasons and she wanted to sort of carry on, be involved. She was already coaching our wildcat session. So it seemed like a natural progression to kind of get her more involved at the, the top end of the club and try and get us, help us grow the women's provision we've got. And I think what Laura does now really is what most people do in order to get involved in a sport. 
she put her hand up and said, yeah, I'll do that. I'll commit the time to it. I'll put the effort in. I'll do as much as I can for free in order to, to promote not only Bolton women's futsal provision, but also the sports women futsal provision. You know, she now comes to a lot of the men's sessions to to watch, um, to to ask questions, to learn, to to help her coaching, I suppose, journey. Um, she's booked onto a level two. So I think I think the rea- what I see is a, a person who's willing to put the hand up and go, No, I'm I'm quite happy to do this and we've given her the opportunity to run with it and they've had an unbelievable start to the season. They've not lost a game. Some of the futsal they're playing is really exciting. And I think that's that's where I kind of see the sport at the moment is can more people who are involved in it kind of put the hand up and go, yeah, I'll take on the extra responsibility and I'll be the, the catalyst for, for pushing whatever's next. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just to talk about what we both said there, like I, I watched the Bolton Bloomsbury highlights, a couple of the Bloomsbury goals weren't recorded. So I, I can't go back and watch their goals, but all the Bolton ones seem to be, seem to be recorded Funny that, but uh, some absolute bangers in there, and some great team team goals as well. And against, you know, a very a very good keeper in Alice as well. Yeah, I think Alice is is, is excellent, and I think again, you know, Joy Joy Low at the other end um, for for Bolton. I think you can see that there's just, there is some real talent throughout the league across, you know, all of the teams. And I think whilst we're probably not in a position to offer all the answers in the world. I think what we want to do, um, you know, and we sort of said this this week in some responses to people is we want to try and shine a light on, on every, every aspect of, of futsal and the sport within England and give people who are involved in it, their up the opportunity to share their insights, their journeys and, you know, their ideas as to where this sport needs to go or should go next. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of why, why we're doing that. And we just want to reiterate, we can, we can only speak from our experience, so me and Cookie can sit around and chat about futsal and our old old stories forever, but like we haven't been involved in the women's game. So we we do need to reach out and we're really really keen to do that so that people feel like, you know, we're we're trying to provide that central place where people can come, give an opinion, um, and have your voice heard. Really. So yeah, please do continue to message us. Let us know if there's other other topics you want to cover. We read all the messages. It's really really great to see everything that's coming so far. And like we said, really interested in, in digging deeper into the uh, into the women's game today. Okay, so just before we jump into the interviews, uh, we did try and do a bit of journalism around uh, some of the stuff and the info that's out there today around the women's game, sort of where the leagues came from to, to where it is today. And, and Cookie, if you're going to talk us through that. Yeah, so the discussion we've sort of had before we we, we came on to to go over the, the the women's side of the game is that you know we we've talked about our history in terms of coming up through through the the English pyramid system um, in futsal, and that actually for both of us, I started playing in about two thousand and nine, probably not a dissimilar year that you started and we yep. were played in the region the league was regionalized up until i believe around sort of 17 18 when the national league was was sort of formulated um i think the futsal shop at the time with damon shaw and, and nick hamlin were were doing the graphics and things like that and basically the full the, the league went national and you know the commitment for a national league taking it away from north midlands and south made it much more difficult for players to commit. And I think we probably lost a few footballers who were trying to do both and found that it was difficult to commit to traveling and playing football on a Saturday and then doing a national league on a Sunday. And I think when you look at where the men's game originated, you know, from the, the, the bit of research we've done today, it looks like the, the, the first organized futsal, whether it be regional or not, was in around 2006 for the men's. Uh, there was a few bits before it. FA Cup started before that. But again, that was kind of you put your name down, you entered in, you did a, a tiny little regional one day thing and you moved on to a national final if you were successful. I think when you look at the women's game, again, I think outside of some FA Cup stuff in maybe sort of the 13, 14, 15 years, the the first organized league looks like it was around 15, 16. And so we're only actually eight years into that sort of cycle of having organized leagues. Whereas if you look at the men's, we went from organized leagues in 2006 and we didn't go national until what, 11 or 12 years later. I think yep. the women's game going national um, a few years ago 
has probably put the demand on the player pool in the same way that I don't believe now that many men are able to twin track because of the commitment to the futsal league. You know, you look at where we play and sort of the, the, the way the league is formatted with now home and away and, and probably next year again, the central venues might be reduced again so that clubs can start to build the communities and the fan bases. Now we've had this lead in from the NFS. I, I, I suppose the question for me, and it's one to the players and the people we're probably going to have on and the community out there is, have we gone national too soon based on the player pool that we have in the women's game? Because if it was regionalized, would we be able to attract some more of the, the footballers who are playing? Because there are, a, I, I think a lot of the, the players in the women's game currently are twin tracking. You know, I, I certainly know from my experience at Bolton that every single player outside of Joy Lowe, who's just gone to university, twin tracks. So they, they play football on a Saturday, sorry, on a Sunday, and they put, play futsal on a Saturday. So that's a big commitment for, for the eight to 12 players that we've got. And, do we lose, do, does the women's game lose players because it's gone national so quickly? And would it be, would it be beneficial to both the clubs and the players for it to be regionalized again for a period of time? Yeah, I think an interesting angle on top of that is, and we've seen it on Twitter, where the football clubs are announcing that the ladies have been called up to the England squad. So if they're maybe full-time at a football club, maybe those clubs are more inclined to let those players play the international futsal because it's helping their club game or, or whatever. Um, so maybe that's a different way that, that that game might work. Whereas, like you say, if they're trying to do job and twin track, maybe when you're young, but as soon as you're sort of been playing for a few years, there's no chance you're going to be able to do that forever, really. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, from personal experience, you know, I, I twin tracked for a long time. You know, I, I played futsal from like I say 2009 okay injury wise so let's say 2012 and I played football up to 2018 so I twin tracked for six years solid um I think the decision I made in 2018 to to retire from semi-pro football coincided with the fact that the year I did I tried to play I tried to twin track when the league was national the traveling and the commitment and time away from family and work and everything else was just too much so I had to make the decision to step away from one or the other now my decision was easy I stepped away from football because I love futsal that potentially isn't the case for for everybody else and this isn't just women this is men as well and I think we've seen it over the last few years that we've lost players to football uh, on the men's side of the game and I think you could probably make the same arguments that are we fighting to keep some of the women in the game because of the commitment to futsal, but they're not necessarily having the benefits. Again, that might change. Now we brought the England team back. We've heard plenty of people talk about the carrot being there and, you know, the, the opportunity to play for England being a reason to commit to the game. And I think we can all probably relate to that. Mm -hmm. I just, again, I think one of the things, questions I would like to ask to the community is, would the would the women's game benefit from being regionalized for a little bit longer in the way that the men's game probably was in its infancy? So we did, we talked about sort of 10 to 12 years of regional competition before we go national, yet we've already gone national for the women's game and we've only been doing it. We're, we're talking at most eight years, probably more like six or seven. So have we gone national a little bit too soon, I suppose, is my big question. Yeah, and I think you know, we don't know. So let us know your thoughts. We'll dig into that into in these upcoming chats. And yeah, please let us know what what else are we not thinking about as well. Right, welcome back. Um, we've had a little bit of change in uh, how we're going to run today. We've got our first guest. Uh, we're going to be joined by Catherine Alderton, who is head coach for Genesis Women's Team. And unfortunately, we've lost Richard Ward for this section. Um, he's dealing with some uh, family issues i think he's got a very uh, sick baby who's throwing up a little bit uh, and talking of babies catherine you've uh, just welcomed uh, your first addition into the world how's uh, that been uh it has been difficult exciting challenging um and i'm learning a lot every single day <laughs> yeah and like i said just beforehand uh, i can tell you from experience it doesn't get any easier um <laughs> so I, I wish you all the best and i hope everything's going well on that front um, but let's let's get into the, the futsal and sort of why we've asked you to come on. So uh, in, from from my point of view, I think you're probably one of the first women I came across within the men's game. Um, I can remember you being in and around uh, futsal in probably around 2013, 14 at West London. Um, and I suppose really from 
my point of view and the viewers or the listeners' point of view is I just we want to talk about how you got into the sport really. Um yes. So um I first got into sport actually when I was 18. I will not say which year that was because I do not want you to know how old I am. Um I actually started with an under 12 boys football team. Um, I started the football team because I realised that there were a lot of children um, that were unable to get access to organised sport, um, and particularly children with special educational needs or behavioural needs, um, or just families in financial deprivation. Um, so I started a football team, which was basically just any children can come for free. Um, although we targeted those children, everyone was welcome. And it became quite a bit of a a family, I'd say, almost a community. Um, and from there, I was connected with a charity called Active Planet. Um, so Active Planet ran futsal sessions in schools. So this was actually in 2008. Um, so I then started to run sessions with them on Saturday mornings on the local uh, estate. Um, from there, um, Gavin Johnson, who um, then became the chairman of West London Futsal, he sort of broke away from that charity and formed West London Futsal, I believe in around 2009. Um, and he asked me to continue running sessions for the youth, which I did. Now, by that point, the boys that I had had that were doing football had decided futsal was a lot more fun, interesting, and it wasn't as cold. Um, so they wanted to be indoors, which worked perfectly for me. Um, so from there... I then became the team manager for the under 10s up to the under 16s. Um, then I became the head coach of all of those. And then I went on to the head of youth development. Um, it was a role that I absolutely loved. I loved being at West London. I loved the community feel to it. Um, and of course, the beautiful game, um, which enabled all of this to happen. Um, from there, I'm trying to get my years right because I just feel like I've been in the game for so long. Um, let me just have a look. So in 2015, my under-14s, who I'd had since they were under-10s, they became the national champions, which for me to date is just the happiest moment of my life. Um, children Outside of just having your baby. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I have to rem just baby. remind you that, you, you know, uh, just, to, just to jump in there, actually. Just to um, in terms of that sort of under-14s team, is mm. that the team that included Jamie Shire, Matt Kilman, Felipe Ferrari, maybe, or, um, or Billy? So that team didn't. Jamie Shire was actually there on the day. So, again, like I said, because it was a real sort of family feeling, he came along just to support, but it was actually the year group two or one below him so okay. I think he was under 16s under 15s at the time but um those players were still so not Max but the the other uh, Felipe Billy um Jamie everyone was sort of involved Osama um and ironically they've now merged with back with West London, West London. And they're quite um heavy on social media so for me as well just to see that a player that was first coached by me is now continuing with futsal in slightly a different route. Um, I'm really proud of him, actually. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's so separate. <laughs> ju just to, for anyone listening, we're, we're talking about Jamie Shire, who is London Movements on, on Instagram and, and on YouTube, and has, I remember him starting his videos in sort of that 2014-15 time and appearing at Helvetia training sessions and little England camps and trying to meg people. And historically, remember him megging Argon Rexo. Um, he always sh he shied away from me a little bit, but to be fair, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't mind him shining away um, because, as I've found out subsequently, he's megged me on more than one occasion since. Um, and obviously, now he, in in terms of his YouTube content, he is now the most watched futsal team in the in in the world. I think, in fairness, and. You know, I've, I've had lots of conversations with Jamie in, in the last sort of few years, and I think he's got a real a real good understanding of where he wants to take London movements, and I think he's now starting to take the game seriously as well. So hopefully, having him as part of the English community allows us to to latch onto a new sort of breed of audience. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really interesting that, like we say, as a as one of the first women futsal coaches I came across that somebody you impacted from a young age mm -hmm. is now making such a yeah. uh, sort of waves in the in the community um, and in the sport in general but I'll, I'll let you continue with, yeah, the, with no, the journey. Yeah, so, um, he, I'm just so genuinely proud of him. I think he's amazing, amazing person, great futsal player as well um, and yeah, it, it's, it's lovely. I, I remember we sat down on Shepherd's Bush Green and he was like, you know, Catherine, where am I going? What, what what am I doing in life? Where, what pathway should I go? And I'm like, what do you enjoy doing? He's like, skills, nutmegs. I'm like, 
cool, let's go with that then. And and from that conversation, he he's just pushed himself. He's elevated himself. He's put, you know, put himself in uncomfortable situations. And um, I do believe in certain audiences, he's really growing the game and, and just um, people's knowledge, understanding, you know, we're, we're bringing people into this sport um, in, in maybe a different capacity than some may like but um it, it is growing the game so that's really great um so yeah so he was there when we won the nationals which was amazing um and then from that in 2016 I became the team manager of the men's team I absolutely loved that role um for me while I was still learning the game I also really do enjoy looking after people and to have sort of 20 men who you know, they messaged me, I forgot my shin pads, I, I need some water, right? Just little things like that, just being around that, I, I really did enjoy and flourish in that role. Um, then in 2017-18 season, somehow I became the head coach, which I was definitely thrown in way too early. But, you know, I, I'm a practical based person. And I just went with it and learned so much, really enjoyed it. Um, and it was such an experience, an experience that's really helped me going forward. I think sometimes just being thrown into it and seeing if you're going to sink or swim. Um, and I think I did a bit of both that season, sunk and swum. Um, unfortunately, from there, um, the following season, I believe it was West London, uh, didn't enter a, a, a team into the league. And so it forced me to take a bit of a break from futsal. So West London futsal was the only club I had been involved with. Um, and actually, I think you know starting in 2008 and it's now 2018 10 years in I think I needed a break um I love futsal I love the game it, it's it's amazing but we all know that the community <laughs> it, it has its challenges at times and I think that break did me really good um I then got contacted in 2020 in the midst of COVID uh, by Trevor from the from Genesis and he said that he was setting up a women's team and, and would I be interested and I knew it was the right time for me. It was um, exciting, a challenge, and I'd never really coached uh, girls or women before. So it was something new to me and, and a passion of mine to allow, you know, women who may not have otherwise been able to access this sport now access it. Um, so I also felt like Genesis morals aligned with mine and that of West London. So it's kind of home from home, which was really great. And here I am now, 2023, no, 2024. Yeah, <laughs> still, 2024 still now. And, uh, and absolutely loving it. It's a great club. We've grown so much in such a short, short space of time. The personnel around the club and the men's team, the, the community, the children, the, the women. It's just a great place to be, honestly. Yeah, I think Genesis have, have always been a, a club that, um from even from the north i've always looked at and gone they look they, they've always seemed to do it the right way in terms of trying to bring players through um i mentioned max before i know max came through and some other young players have come through there claudio and you and sort of I, I love clubs that give young players the opportunity to to show their their qualities not only on court but also off court in terms of i think you've just taken over estudiantes now yeah. Um, so he's moving on again into, yeah. into more of a coaching role. And we've talked on previous podcasts about trying to keep good people in the sport. And I think clubs like Genesis allow that to happen. And West London, in fairness, because a lot of the play, a lot of the people who were involved in West London originally yeah. are all still scattered throughout the, the north, uh, sorry, the south within yeah. various different places. Um, so how did you find the difference between coaching men's previously and coming in and coaching the women's game? What did you think? Did you think there was any different challenges? Um. Honestly, I was just more comfortable in a male-dominated environment when it came to futsal because that's all that I ever knew. I'd coach the boys, I'd coach the men, and also I was pretty comfortable there in that everyone knew me. I'd been there so long that I had almost an automatic respect. I hadn't, I didn't have to fight for respect. I didn't have to prove myself. I was, I was just really comfortable. Um, so then jumping into the unknown where people didn't know me, um, they didn't know that I'd been in futsal for quite a while. Um, and even now when, when I'm looking at the women's game, there, there's so many people that, that probably don't even know who I am. And I've been in the game for such a long time that that's just something new. I haven't got this, this automatic, oh, that, that's Catherine. She's been here for a while. Um, so it's now just about, I don't know, not having to prove myself, but um, it, it's just a new challenge for me. Um, I would say that I do, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but coaching men, I find you can be a lot more straight to the point and 
maybe I considered their feelings a little bit less. And if I was unhappy with something, I, you know, half time I can just go and drill them a lot more than what I would to someone who's new to the game. And we're trying to encourage them and keep them in the game because that's the hard part of it as well is is making them fall in love with the game and then commit. And the commitment side of things is is what can be quite hard. It's very interesting you say that. We we did a, the podcast that went out last week and I'm guessing you won't have listened because you're busy with New Baby and all that. So we'll, we'll let you off on that front. <laughs> um, is that I, I agree completely. I think my main job as a, as a futsal coach uh, and enthusiast is to keep people in the game and to make them fall in love with it and make them want to come back next week, next week, the week after. Because until we do that, it, it doesn't matter what the sport can offer them and the experiences that they can get. You have to make them want to keep coming back. So I, I agree completely that, you know, the... The main job of people like myself and you is to keep people interested and keep them wanting to come back so that they can build on that foundation. Um, I also kind of, it's interesting to hear, hear you to say that you can be a little bit more direct with with men. Um, one of the things we touched on last week about sort of what players want is, and, and last week we were probably referring at the elite end, you know, that it was myself, uh, Wardy, Liam and Ross who were for England internationals. We were kind of talking about what we wanted rather than necessarily what covered everybody. But I think um, I think the feedback that you get and give is really important in the way you frame it, depending on what your audience is. So as as elite players, you know ourselves, we're quite happy to to take that honest opinion. But I'm very aware that when I'm coaching twelves up to sixteens and and even a little bit beyond that, it's very much the way that I frame the message is important. So a very wise man uh, gave me a quote this week. I've been listening to the podcasters, and he said, "They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." And oh, and I thought that was really, yeah. really a really important message that I've been I'm doing some mentoring of coaches at the moment, the young coaches at Bolton who have kind of been coached by me over the last five or six years, and they're now taking on our younger age groups. And I think the reason my relationship with them is so good, um, obviously one of them has son, so I hope that relationship's good. Uh, I think it is that my first sort of port of call when I came into Bolton was to make them realise that I was there for them and it wasn't about me, it was about them. And I think that's really important, you know, like you, the message you were just saying that you've probably changed your your methodology of coaching going from the men's game where you know you probably, like you say, you've probably known them longer, they've known you longer and your your message can be a little bit blunter and now you're transitioning into a women's game where I suppose you're sort of trying to build your reputation, not build your reputation, but prove your yeah. reputation again in a slightly new environment. Um, so that's really interesting. I, I've just finished my UEFA C football course and I was on it with 25 other coaches who had no idea who I was. Some of them have never heard of futsal. And when we got to the practical part, I was really nervous to deliver. Um, now, bearing in mind, I've done, I've been around international setups in the past 12 months. Because we were doing football, I felt outside of my comfort zone. So like you were talking about putting yourselves into those uncomfortable situations to help you learn and develop. And then on the flip side of it, I'm doing my UA for B, but I'm doing it on a pro game course with uh, professional academies. And we got asked to deliver on that. And straight away, I put my hand up and was like, yeah, I'll go first. Because I'm in an yeah. environment there where I know that I I believe that my knowledge and information and my delivery around futsal and on the court is is good. Whereas the, the knowledge outside around the football game, and whilst it's the same game, effectively, the confidence that I have in one environment to the other environment are completely different. So that's really interesting to hear that you say you're, you're trying to do the same on the women's yeah. game. In terms of the players you've got at Genesis or in general, how have you found recruitment then in different from potentially what you've seen previously in the men's game and now you're seeing within the women's game? That's a good question. Um, I mean, the easy option would have been to go to a football team, local football clubs and get football players. But we actually haven't done that. We started off a lot more community based in the beginning. Um I guess we had that luxury because it was COVID and it was during the pandemic and not too much was going on. So we could actually take our time with that set up. Um, so it was literally an invitation to all, didn't matter about your ability, come down and give it a go. Um, because of that, for our first sort of season, we were getting hammered. Um, but actually that wasn't what, we, we didn't mind that. Um, it was just about trying to get as many people involved in the club as possible, getting the word out there, open training sessions. Um, and luckily, because of the men's team, it was, again, like, and I keep repeating it, but more like a family sort of environment, a real community feeling. And 
the unity we had there. So we would have mixed training sessions. We would then go out to Nando's or here or there. And we'd, and so it was not just the futsal that could capture people's love of the game. And we now have people involved who started off um, wanting to play futsal for the team. Actually, they're now not good enough, but they're still at the club and they're there taking pictures or they're, you know, they're posting something on social media, just things like that. They're involved in the club. And I think something that's something that's really important. Um, so, from there, we had such a large amount. I remember the very first session I did under Westway in West London. I think we had maybe about 35 to 40 players just turn up. And that was our first session. So because we had that large scope to begin with, then word of mouth, it kind of worked for us. And now we're in a position where we've got less players, but a real high quality and, and, and class players um, and players that are going to stay with us going forward, which is also, I believe, really important. Yeah, I've noticed that your results have, have been quite impressive this year. Uh, have you got, you. Do you, do you, are you hoping to potentially be tier one next year? Depending on how the, the, the league structure goes going forward, we didn't want to be in tier one um, until this point now. we If the league stays how it is, we are ready and we want to win the league and I believe that we can. Um, but we definitely weren't ready prior to that. And I feel like, unfortunately some of the teams did get thrown in too early and are feeling the the the, the results of that now. Um, I don't mean results as in results on the pitch, but I mean yeah. as in players leaving, the, the inconsistency. There's a lot of players jumping from team to team to team and that doesn't help the game. Um, no offence. Um, no, no, I, yeah. I, think, I think you've probably brought it back into the intro that myself and Wardy uh, recorded a couple of days ago um, because of unavailability. Um, is that we we discussed how realistic or, or not not necessarily re realistic that's probably the wrong word but how how important or vital is it for the women's game to be national at this point so our, our my question as somebody sort of from the outside looking in but having bits of inputs on and being involved with with our ladies team up at Bolton is have we gone national a bit a little bit too soon so we talked about well we've, we've mentioned the men's being taking 12 years having organized regional competitions before it went national the women's was around the five and six year mark before it went national and is that a little bit too soon and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on whether that whether potentially going back to a north south split might benefit in the immediate future in terms of growing the player pool and you know having getting everybody more regular games and potentially being able to grow interest in terms of local games, getting local people into watch. So I don't know what your thoughts are on, on that national north-south split. Yeah, so firstly, I want to say I don't want to offend anyone who who has really tried to push and, and make it so that the game is as elite as possible and so they can showcase the women's game, which, you know, they have attempted to do by making it national. Um, for me personally, it, it was too soon. I think the expectation on clubs, money-wise, commitment-wise, the travelling, um, it just isn't possible. So you're finding clubs with, you know, one sub on a match day, but yet it's being streamed on, on YouTube. And it doesn't look great. It doesn't help the game, in my opinion. And I think going back to the, to the split, the North-South, and then maybe potentially having um, top two and then grand finals... I like that setup. Um, there's talk of, you know, it going north-south and then going into a league halfway through the season once everyone's played each other and then, you know, you've got the top eight and the bottom eight or however they want to work it. Um, but in answer to your question, yes, I, I do think it went national too quickly. Um, and I'm also very happy that we weren't top of the league and, and got pushed up into that because while we would have participated, I don't think we'd be in the position that we are now, in the strong position we are now, if we would have had to have done that. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really important message to take away is that I think sometimes, and, and, and I'll include Bolton in this, we've we've probably progressed a little bit too quickly for what we were ready for. Um, so we had discussions at the end of last season as to whether we could afford to fund our ladies team, uh, whether we had enough commitment from the players. Uh, we At the time, we didn't have a head coach. Um, so we had internal discussions about, OK, where do we sit? Can we afford, as a club, a very, very grassroots club, by the way, can we afford to run a national women's team as well as a national men's team, as well as a development team? 
The slight difference from our point of view is that we're really committed to trying to give everybody an opportunity to play. So we had discussions with the, the women's team and we said, look, we want to keep you up, but we, we're going to have to find the funding and the sponsorship. And we're also going to have to ask and sort of demand a little bit more that as players, as the group of players we've got, you go out and look to recruit players where you can because you know you, you all play football. I don't know many women's players. I We've got Wildcats sessions that we run, but in terms of having players who are 16 and ready to go straight into adult futsal, we're probably a good few years away from that. So we needed the commitment from the players in order for us as a club to be able to justify it. And I think that we've, we've done it. And obviously it's been a, a roaring success so far. Yeah. We're unbeaten. Laura's doing really well as a head yeah. coach. And, and like I said um, earlier in the podcast, Laura is our head coach because ultimately she put her hand up and was willing to put the extra time into and commitment to running the team organizing the team learning how to coach and she's got a bit of a coaching background a bit like yourself in in sort of running younger um, men's football teams um but she's ultimately gone i'll do it i'll take on that extra responsibility which has allowed us to justify carrying that on but i think when you look outside of that over the last few years we've lost you know manchester futsal dropped women ladies team dropped out um, at the start of last season, they're now back in at tier two, and that obviously suits their sort of progression, which is good. We've got another team back; they're working within their means. We've lost Helvest. Well, we nearly lost Helvestia's women's mm. team. We've had name changes, you know, and and I feel I, I always I kind of feel at the moment like like you say it feels like a lot of clubs are trying to achieve national, but it's maybe just a little bit too much of a strain financially. Um, and again, player pool. I think Sunderland's the other team we've lost this year out of the the tier one. Mm. And and again, I just wanted to ask you, who's somebody been in the game, whether you thought it had gone national a bit too soon. And I think the consensus is maybe moving forward, we look to bring it back into a north-south and give everybody the opportunity to build those communities. Because my next question to you is going to be is, how do you think we can sort of build participation away from actually playing? So... At Bolton, we give our ladies team the same social media presence. We put all the same posters out. We put all the same highlights out as our men's team. But we're really struggling to garner that interest for, for match day attendance to try and get fans in to, to, to support it and promote it. Um, we, we put some, some of our uh, Wildcats games on around it. But again, we're just struggling to really get the interest. And it'd be, um, you know, what are your thoughts on how do you think we can kind of grow the off-court stuff and get people interested in coming to watch it? So you touched on social media, um, which is obviously a, a really great way to gain following, support, understanding. Um, but what I have seen some clubs do is have the separation between the men's social media and the women's social media. In my personal opinion, um, I don't think that that's uh, the best way to go forward. I think we've already got that large following for the, for the men's social media that's already there. And let's just you know, we're all part of one club. Let's let's just add the women to it. I don't think that we should start separating. I, I know they do with football, but at the moment, I just feel like we should keep it one social media page um, for a club. Um, so that's one thing. I think always the good route to go down is, is schools. Um, if we can get some key people in each area involved in the schools. I'm very lucky. I do work in a school. So my school, we do run futsal sessions because, again, I put my hands up and said, I would like to run this club free of charge. It's futsal. So I do think it's a lot about individual people just making that commitment and saying, I'll do this or being a bit proactive rather than, um, you know, sometimes I feel like we get in a bit of a loop of looking at the negative side or oh, they don't do this. That if I don't do that, England futsal don't do that. Well, who is that? And why can't we be that person that, that just jumps and puts their hands up? Um, I mean, uh, match day attendance is something that's really hard, um, especially when some clubs now are obviously charging because we're in a position where people, you know, clubs may have to um, just because to get those sort of funds in to cover travels, etc. Um, and how can we go about getting match day attendance for the women's game? Because I feel like once someone's come to watch a game once or twice, I think they're hooked. I mean, the women's game, it, it, it's I watch it on YouTube all the time for you know I've watched Bolton, I've watched it's really great watching um but it's just getting that initial the people down there we ran also um a charity event where we were raising money for charity so we had the charity founders come down and they were obviously publishing it on their social media so just little small steps and things that we can do um but i don't have the answer i don't think any of us no I, I, yeah i think that's it I don't, I don't think anybody's got the answer it's just i suppose what we're trying to do is to 
to take more informed views. Uh, I can give my opinion on the women's game, but ultimately I'm less informed than yourself and less informed than, you know, someone like Emma Tune, who's been around it a long time oh, yes. as well, who hopefully in, in, in future will, will get on as well. She was unavailable yeah. to, to join us on, on this one this week. Uh, but in terms of moving on to sort of the, the next thing I was going to ask you about in terms of we've talked through your journey and how you kind of got into coaching and, and how it developed to you being a, a woman's head coach. Um, I suppose, have you got any advice for, for other women and, and young coaches out there um, on how to get into the men's or the women's game and, and what what you think helps you along your journey? I think for me, with my journey, what helped me is actually, I was 18, I was pretty naive. I had all the confidence in the world at that age because I didn't have a, a greater understanding um, of the potential barriers that I could and probably did face. Um, like I said, it's just about for me, putting your hands up. I know each person's journey is very different. And so barriers that I haven't um, experienced, others may. Um, but I think you just have to have confidence in yourself, what, watching a lot of futsal, so that when you come into those situations, you can talk about it. Um, getting as much knowledge as possible, you're learning, you know, networking, talking to people. There's so many great people involved in English futsal. So many. I mean, you just spoke about um, Emma Tune, she's amazing, an amazing person and really great for the game. Um, so for me, if it's something that you want to do or you have a slight interest in, and it doesn't necessarily have to be coaching initially, you know, go and connect with your local club and go and watch their training session, talk to them, get involved in any capacity. Like I said earlier, taking photographs, filming, whatever you can. As Futsal Clubs, we will take any help that anyone can give anything you know I, I was doing stats on the side for, for um, West London in the beginning as well I will just do anything and and any help is accepted um, so that would be my advice to initially trying to get involved uh, yeah I can relate to that at Bolton uh, we've obviously got Laura who I've already mentioned a couple of times and, and we've got Natalie um, who is our our chairperson and you know I think if you asked Natalie 10 years ago if she'd be running one of the top futsal clubs in the country, or one one of many top futsal clubs in the country, I think she probably would have said no chance. But 10 years later, she's been a parent, she's run the tuck shop, she's done timekeeping, she's got yeah. she's now qualified to do some of the kids' sessions, and she's ultimately now, you know, leading our, our club al along with myself. And again, like we talked about, actually most futsal clubs will take any help that you can get. Um, we, we, majority of the, the clubs throughout the country are all grassroots and, and all need as many volunteers, whether that be male, female, young or old. Um, and I think, I suppose, my takeaway from the conversation we're having at the moment is, is that actually being proactive, putting your hands up for, for opportunities and for roles and getting involved probably leads on to the next thing and whatever you want that next thing to be is your choice and your journey to make that decision. Um, and hopefully um, in 2024, the barriers that maybe you experienced when you were 18, bearing in mind, I have no idea how long ago that was because you didn't tell your age, um, won't necessarily be the same. But I'm, I'm sure there are always going to be factors in certain places that, that do play into it. Um, I, but I think the sport and the people with it involved that I certainly come across, I think we're a relatively progressive sport. And I think if we can champion people like yourself, um, like Emma, like, like Natalie at Bolton, who are, you know, putting themselves out there and putting their hands up to take on these additional roles that maybe over the next short period of time, we can start to see more prominent women in the game and we can continue to champion them on that front. Um, so yeah, look, I've really appreciated your time um, and taking the opportunity to, to speak to you and, and probably hear a little bit more of a detailed journey. Cause like I say, I've known of you a long time and we've crossed paths, probably never really had the opportunity to have this kind of discussion. And hopefully for the people listening, you know, your journey, you know, influences other people to want to, to carry on and do the same. I suppose last thought is um, what's next for Genesis and uh, Genesis women's team. Genesis women's team. Um, we are, our aim is to win the league this season. So let's start with the, the small, small goals. We've got a couple of really big games coming up. Um, and we're definitely ready for them and we're in a really great place. So I'm excited for, for the future of Genesis. All right. Well, thank you very much for being our first guest. Um, I hope the listeners enjoy it and I'm sure me and Wardy will probably come back in after a little jingle and close out. So thank you very much. No, it's been so nice talking to you. Thank and you. And you. Sorry for taking up so much time.
All right. Well, I really enjoyed that. Um, massive thank you to Catherine for, for her time. I think one of the things as well that not everyone gets the benefit of seeing because we're on camera, we can actually see how this went. I can actually see how this went down because unfortunately I couldn't be there. I could just see how smiling Catherine was throughout that and how passionate she was for the sport and, what, and how much she clearly enjoys it. Um, that's probably something you wouldn't get as a as an audio medium. So, just wanted to share that one with with everyone listening. That you know, it, she clearly loves what she's doing, and that passion is you know great to see. Just to recap on a few things, uh, Cookie said in the pod, we kind of hope to get a couple of people interviewed during the week. Uh, hence the intro we recorded prior to the interview. Unfortunately, we couldn't, and we also thought that Catherine's interview was so good, we just wanted to put it out there. Uh, as a standalone as a standalone episode so hopefully everyone really enjoyed it i certainly did um cookie also mentioned about i had a family emergency i did boys okay but um yeah one of those things um we move um so yeah just re- reflecting on the episode i thought my main takeaways like i said how much she enjoyed just being involved one of the key messages she said multiple times get get involved feel always feel you can reach out to your local club get others involved as well it's, it is a great feeling once you're in that you have that close-knit group like we like we heard about at genesis and, and west london um and and the other takeaway i had main but the kind of top two was just how she fell into it right she no, never knew oh i'm gonna go do futsal but once she came into the game she stuck around because she loved it and you can see how she's championing it championing it at her schools and all this sort of stuff and you know that makes me so happy to see and Cookie, you, you you had the chat as well. I mean, what's what's your kind of reflection? Yeah, I think what you just said there in regards to falling into it, I think we all sort of fall into this sport, don't we? We all come from a different background. Not many people only play futsal um, to start with anyway. Um, it's not anybody's first breeding ground. Um, and I think, as I said throughout the episode, I think we could the more people like myself and you who have got a slightly higher profile than both within the sport can champion people like Catherine and like Laura and like Natalie and like Emma Tune and, you know, and like Mary um, and all the people within the sport who are doing their bit. Hopefully over time, we can start to, to build um, the sport across all facets of it. Men's, women's, old, young and, and veterans, you know, off, off camera when we were chatting separately, Catherine asked me why I was passionate about women's futsal. And I said, in reality, it's, it's got nothing to do with it being women. Um, it's all about futsal. I just want to expose as many people to this sport as possible because it helps me. Um, it's helped me for a long time deal with a lot of mental health issues. It's given me escape from some stress, real-life stresses. And I think everybody who falls into futsal finds it enjoyable. Uh, they're enthusiastic about it. And okay, it's not for everybody, but I think the majority of people who touch it at any point in their life have a positive affliction with it and that's yeah, kind of my takeaway is that, that like you say you you see the passion sort of in when she's talking about it you know the relationship she's built family she's made at two different clubs and you see that around the country at various different clubs you know they, they talk about it being a family and i do think that that's really important and something that's a little bit different within futsal as opposed to maybe football yeah i mean you've just you just made me think about a couple of things really because Again, all I can reflect on my, is my experiences. And at Bloomsbury, the, the kind of closest we've been with the women's side of the team is, yeah, a couple of players have actually come and trained with us, which has been great. Um, but it's not until you're kind of away at like the national finals um, back last June where we're actually in the crowd managing to support the girls playing and you know watching those games. I'm absolutely involved in those games and they were amazing. And obviously they won, so it's even better. But like until you can have the team's working closer together it is hard to kind of foster that kind of cohesive community feel i think within a club so that that i think is a tricky thing just to kind of point at how it's done elsewhere i know like for example in spain you'll have all the age groups will train before the seniors they'll all be at their match days and you'll also get the the women's and the men's playing on the same day as well so they'll they will watch each other's games and support each other and then they'll go for a, a drink or whatever afterwards. And I think that, that is something that I think we could probably do better, I think, in this country. I don't know how else you yeah. do it. Yeah, I agree. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that we probably didn't touch on with, with Catherine um, is that women's football is growing uh, exponentially. And, you know, there's a real pathway within the women's football game. And I think, I'll, like we mentioned probably in the, the intro, that 
a lot of it, it, it feels like a lot of female players within the futsal world at the moment are twin tracking and doing both because there's there is progression within the women's football game as well um so maybe that's a challenge for us again we've always talked about it in terms of trying to create an environment for the women where they choose futsal over football and you know we've now got the the announcement the England women's teams coming back that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago um, a lot of players are getting the opportunity to to maybe look and advance their futsal career which you know we know from personal experience makes want makes wanting to not play football easier because that yeah. carrot is there and you know I know people think that we shouldn't build from the top down and I don't disagree with that you know I, I'm a huge advocate for building from the bottom up but I do believe that there has to be a carrot at the top to be able to build successfully from the bottom up. So hopefully the introduction of the women women's national team um, allows the sport to hopefully kick on. And, and like I say, I do still think there's a conversation to be had around the North-South split and whether or not we've gone national too soon. And, you know, again, that's, that's a personal opinion. Catherine sort of was in agreement that maybe it has gone there too soon. So I'm sure the NFS, whether they're listening or not, will be having conversations in the near future about what is best for the women's game. Uh, because it doesn't necessarily have to match what the men's is right now because we are a little bit further on. There is probably a little bit more of a, a split between futsal players and twin trackers than there was five years ago. Um, for instance, I only I twin tracked for 10 years and then as soon as the league went national, I did it for one season and decided that it was too much. So... You know, there is there is a clear divide there that once you go national within the futsal world, it becomes very difficult to play football. And I think at the moment, a lot of women are then kind of edging towards football, whereas actually, I think if you bring it back to north-south split, you might find there's a bit more interest in doing both for the, the next period of time. Yeah, uh, I know we're doing an outro and we need to sort of wrap it up a bit. But one thing, I, again, you make me think is, like, I really enjoy watching the women's football team. Like every time they're on, I watch the games. I'm genuinely a fan, and I think if I were a player and I saw that, I'd be like, "Yeah, that is that is a really good place to be." Like you can see how good, like all the profiles of the players are excellent. The camaraderie looks brilliant. That's what I'd want to do. And I think until you've got that for futsal, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of players. But yeah, lots to think about. Really good episode. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being the first guest again. Um, I think a few of the things we'd probably want to delve deeper on in the future, if we'd had time, sort of the different approach to coaching men and women. Um, possibly looking at, you know, what what could we have done? So what we could what could we do more to kind of encourage more women to more towards the coaching side of things? Um, and obviously, we we get to explore in any more detail, kind of the women's players perspective uh, as of yet. So those, those are some things we will hopefully cover in uh, future episodes. So with that, thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Good guys.